in our previous talk, we first of all had a little look at Joshua's preparation. Joshua didn't suddenly get the job. You know, the Joshua begins with the words that Moses, my servant, is dead. It wasn't suddenly that Moses died and God looked round to find someone. God was already preparing Joshua for this task. He had many lessons to learn in his preparation. We saw in Exodus 17, we, he learned the importance of teamwork. When he was fighting in the valley and Moses' arms were held up on the mountain. And when Moses' hands were up, Israel prevailed. He saw the business of that. We find also that he had his name changed. We saw that he had to stand outside the, tem the tent of meeting. We find that he had to enjoy so many privileges. We saw that um, in Deuteronomy 34, it said, now Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom. And so I don't want to go back over that. That's available online, I'm sure, if you wanted to look at that. But do not believe, understand that suddenly Moses dies and God's taken by surprise. He wasn't. He'd already been preparing Joshua for this task. And sometimes as Christians, we might get a bit frustrated, saying, well, I want God to use me. I want to move into something new. Well, he may well do that. I, I cannot speak for what God is doing in your life. But I know this, everything in our lives is a preparation for God to use us. You say, well, I'll give you an illustration. I had conducted many funerals before I'd ever been bereaved. I had never, and then my father died at the age of 52, and then it was my turn to sit in the back of the black car going up the hill. And, um, you know, but before that, I had sought to comfort people, and hopefully I did my best. But after experience of bereavement, I hope my attitude toward the bereaved was different. I've sat where they sat. I understood a little of what they were going through because I'd been through it. So even in that sad occasion, it was preparing me for the pastoral ministry which I sought to fulfill. And so please don't get frustrated with God. You say, well, I want God to use me. As I say, a little disclaimer, I don't know if God's going to use you. But please assume this, that everything that you're experiencing is part of God's preparation for use. So whether Joshua was going up a mountain with Moses, whether he was fighting in a valley, whether he's standing outside the tent of meeting, whether he was rebuking Moses almost for the elders getting filled with the Spirit. We have that great verse, I wish that all God's people were prophets. Whatever was going on in his life was a preparation for this. So don't despise those things. Don't get cross or get angry or frustrated. If God's not using you, first of all, you're in the right place. If God's not told you to move, you're in the right place. Don't get confused. Don't get concerned. He's there. But something momentous was going to happen. That the preparation was going to have its fulfillment. It was not wasted. Those days of Joshua serving Moses were not wasted. Because we come to the verse, and after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. And in that little verse, we have the clues almost, the seeds of why Joshua was going to do a tremendous job. Well, first of all, we realize that Moses had died. You know, God, one quote of commentator said, God buries his workers, he never buries his work. Moses was not around. Hard to believe. He brought them, led them out of 
Egypt. He'd been with them in the wilderness. He had a lawgiver. He had done so much for them, but he was not going to go into the promised land with them. Lack of self-control lost him that privilege. God anticipated it, and Joshua was ready. A lovely verse, I think it's in Numbers, where God says to Moses, give some of your authority to Joshua so the people will hear him as if I am speaking. God sowed the seeds even then in the life of Joshua that he one day would be the leader. After the death of Moses, the the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, do you know, we need to hear God for ourselves. You know, I have not had many personal words of prophecy. The reason being is, You'd be a very brave person probably to try and give me one. I hope I'm not that austere. But you know, Joshua couldn't walk around and say, oh, I remember God saying to Moses. Oh, I can remember a time when God spoke to Moses on this. You know, no, no, no. He had to be able to say, God spoke to me. Now, there's not a preacher in the world who doesn't use books. And a book I would recommend to Joshua, I think it's A.W. Pink. If you like reading about Joshua, um, you've got some excellent books if you enjoy Bible study. And I've been reading some of his books. I had an elder in my Derby church that every year on my birthday bought me one. So anything clever I say, it's probably him. But he's long gone now, so he can't sue me for any royalties. Okay? But... Um, we find there that that comes to an end and he had to hear God for himself. So what I'm sharing with this morning, this afternoon, pardon me, I've prepared, I've looked at, I've looked at commentaries, I've done nothing wrong in that, I've looked at scripture, but hopefully in that preparation, in that ordering of events, and even now, having left my notes already, which is a very dangerous thing, we hope that God the Holy Spirit will guide And so the tremendous verse was, the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord said to, so yes, Moses was not there. Moses had gone up the mountain, Moses had heard from God, he got the Ten Commandments, you know the story, I'm sure. But now he was talking to Joshua, very important, the son of Nun. Moses said, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan to the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So This was the task. What was he to do? He already knew what was to be done. It was quite obvious. They were standing there and over that river they could see the promised land. The promised land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And now he's there. And it sounds almost like a, a simple thing. What I want you to do is to get up, cross this river and that's going to be your new homeland. The problem was the Jordan was in flood. The problem was the land was occupied and the Canaanites were in the land and they were given a challenge that they had to clear the land of the Canaanites that that land might become theirs. There's a great little balance in this verse. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all these people. So it was Joshua and the people. It wasn't that he had to cross. His task was to get them across. And I've got to say, not only within this church, but within so many Elam churches, that's what pastors have been doing. They've been trying to get their people to move on with lockdowns and all the challenges that we've faced. You know, I'm almost glad I'm not a local church pastor. I don't know how. I wouldn't have managed as well as so many are doing. I just know that. But the task is it's you and them. 
And whether it's your cell group, whether it's your friends or your family, you know, take people with you when you go. It's so easy to go on your own, but take people with you. And that was his task, you and all these people. And that's the challenge we face. We know that this church has faced some disruptions. We're not, you can't educate us on it. These men and women that lead your church are praying and fasting night and day for the safety of the flock. And our goal and our prayer is that with us and that we will cross this Jordan. We'll get to the other side and we'll see what good things God has for us. Okay, then he comes in. And then we have, after the preparation, we now come to um, the promises. Um, A.W. Pink calls this portion um, Joshua's uh, The Great Commission. We think of the Great Commission being in the New Testament, where Jesus says to the disciples, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That commentator says, this was Joshua's Great Commission. It was quite simple. Get these people on the other side to the land that I have promised them. And it was great. The promise was given. Now, we often talk about Israel conquering the land. And we sometimes feel that the onus on us now is we've got to go out and conquer. We've got to fight the enemy. Let me tell you now, the deal was done the moment God promised that land to Abraham. The deal was done. All that had to happen now was that Joshua and the people of God had to get in line with the great promise to Abraham that this land would be their ancestral home. And that was the Great Commission. It sounds simple. Go over, it's been promised. And then he says there, I will give every place where you set your foot as, a pro as I promised Moses. Lovely. In other words, God promises it, but we have to act in faith on it. You say, well, if God promised it, why did, well, <laughs> the deal is this. You, that's your land over there. I want you to cross the Jordan and everywhere your foot goes, that will be it. So if you conquer a hundred miles, you get a hundred miles. If you conquer 200 miles, I'm going to stop there because I can't remember my uh, mileage in the Holy Land. But that period, it's up to them. And friends, so often when we receive a promise from God, whatever that promise is, there will be some act of response on our behalf. The theme this morning was very much on the forgiveness. You say, you want to be forgiven? Well, forgive. Years ago, they used to say, if you want to get a letter, write a letter. Well, if you want to be forgiven, then forgive. If you want to enjoy the blessing of God, then you bless others in that same way. And so God is saying to them, it's your land, but you've got to go out in faith and claim what is yours. Your territory will extend from the Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the great sea. And then we have another promise for Joshua. Three times, I'm going to jump the gun here, three times God says to Joshua, be brave and be courageous. Three times he says this to them, be strong and courageous. And I thought to myself, why would he repeat that? Well, because he needed to. God doesn't waste words. He's not like a preacher. We, well, I certainly, I've been known to repeat myself a little bit. No, a, a lot. Uh, but he says it three times to the man. So he's got this promise, 
But there is a challenge to it. And the challenge is, Joshua, you've got to be, and what's the word in the NIV? Very simple. There he says, you've got to be strong and courageous because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And then he repeats it. Be strong and very courageous. And then the condition comes in. The promise is there. I'm going to be with you. You're going to get this land. But be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. So we have the promises. I'm going to be with you. And it tells us there, um, no man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Tremendous promises. He's just beginning his solo ministry. He's just beginning. He's going to his first church on his own after being a member of a team. (laughs) And God's saying, I'm going to be with you. And no one will stand against you. And you are going to do something great for me. You're going to be part of that great promise to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. You're going to be part of that, Joshua. But listen, you've got to be bold. You've got to be, there's something in you. You've got to rise up to it. And when you, you say, well, hang on, he was a soldier. He was fighting the Amalekites. Fancy telling a soldier to be brave. Oh, listen, he was out of his comfort zone. He was not going to just go and have a fight. If it was just having a fight, leading an army, Joshua would have been up for it. He wasn't just extending his military career. It was a complete change of direction. I almost said a career change, but that makes it sound very carnal. He was now going to be leading a people. He was going to have to bring them together. There was diplomacy. There would be judgment. There would require wisdom and the wisdom that we heard he received off before he got his call was going to come into place and the authority that he received before he got his call was going to come into place and all the things that were part of his preparation he was going to have to draw on all of them if he's going to fulfill what God wants him to do I believe God has something for us all to do whatever that might be it may be to do what you're doing and faithfully do it till he comes or calls. If that's what God wants you to do, be it. You cannot be in a better place than in the will of God. If the will of God is for me to do what I'm doing, then there's there's no point in me doing anything else because this is what God wants me to do. If God wants me to serve in another area and he shows me, I can't be more blessed than to do what he says. And so Joshua stands here now. He's been told very simply as if he didn't know that Moses had died and the task now was for him to take these people into the promised land he had to his part to play was very simple he had to go out and take it no angels were going to come down and wipe out the Canaanites they had to go out in their own strength but he got that promise first of all no one will to stand against you all the days of your life I once had that quoted to me by someone who I was disagreeing with Now, I know it's hard to believe, but people disagree with me occasionally. And they said, well, it doesn't matter what you say. God has given me the promise that no one will stand against me all the days of my life. And I said, well, first of all, I said, you want to learn to read your Bible better? 
It doesn't mean that you're always going to be right. It doesn't mean that you're infallible. It doesn't mean to say that somehow everything you say and do can't be. Of course not. What it means is this. When you're doing my will, Joshua, no one will stand against you. When you're leading my people into that promised land, no one will stand against you. It didn't mean that he was sinless or he was, could not make a mistake. Of course not. But he said, while you're in the purposes of God and you're doing my work, no one will stand against you. Whether it be Canaanite kings, whether it be a rebellion in the nations, whoever it is, I'll tell you, I'm on your side in that sense. And then, of course, the second thing is, as I was with Moses. Wow, how was God with Moses? Totally, totally. God was with Moses. End of story. Moses was God's man and God was Moses' God. They were committed. And he said, listen, you have been a servant and praise God for servanthood. You have served. You have carried, you know, Moses' briefcase. You've, you know, you've driven him. You've done all sorts of things for him. Yes, that haven't gone us. But now I want you to know, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. So, well, but he, he was senior. Listen, forget the senior. Oh, it's important that we know who's in leadership and who's in charge. Of course it is. There's not, I'm not, this isn't a, a message against the word senior. But it's a message against those that feel that somehow they're intimidated by the past. I'm sure that when Pastor Wynne Lewis came to this church, he did, wasn't intimidated by Eldon Corsi. I'm sure when Pastor Colin came, he wasn't intimidated by Wynne Lewis. Probably was. But you know, we have to go in what God has called us to do. When I became a regional superintendent, I thought, well, how on earth can I follow on? And I think the regional superintendent I followed was one that was known to Katie, Pastor Brian Richardson. I thought, how on earth can I follow on from that? When I went to the Derby Church, I followed on from uh, Brian Edwards, who, you know, for me was a superstar. But, you know, as God was with him, God was going to be with me. And I had to realise that if this is what I believe God wants me to do, then God is going to be with me and successful. So don't sit around during the um, shutdown thinking, well, what can I do? Has God finished? He hasn't. As we've encouraged today, this period may be the very preparation that's getting you ready to go forward. Then, as I've said three times, we find that he was told to be courageous uh, three times in that, in, in verse 6, verse 9, and verse 18, be strong and courageous. It's important. It tells us in the book of Acts that they had boldness. You know, Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We, we, we find the scriptures full of encouragement. See, God knows what we're like. God's not expecting perfect people. If he's expecting a perfect person I'm going to drink this water then I'm going to go because I'm not eligible he knows there will be challenges of living the Christian life you're facing challenges at work or maybe working from home or whatever's involved but listen he wants you to know he's with you and he wants you to be brave and courageous he wants you to speak for him and to do things for him so we've looked at the the preparation We've seen, and it's not quite been as smooth as hope, the promises, but there were some parameters. God said, this is what I want you to do, but there's a way I want you to do it. 
And that's the challenge. There's a way. So God has, I believe, called me to preach. Okay, you can maybe disagree with him, but that's up to you. But call me to preach. But I can't just preach what I want or say what I want. I have parameters. I have to confine myself to my best understanding, hopefully with the Holy Spirit's help, of what the Scripture teaches. There are parameters. And so we find here there were geographical parameters. Scott and I were talking earlier. Geographical parameters. He talked about the desert of Lebanon to the river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. So there were geographical parameters to what Joshua had to do. But also in verse 7, we see the parameters. And it's interesting. It says there, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my, that my servant Moses gave you. And here's the parameters. Do not turn to the left nor the right. And you say, well, that's, that, that's not a parameter. The parameters of this room, there's the wall there, there's a wall there, there's the doors there, there's a wall here, some room is behind. We know the parameters. But God has said, said to him, he didn't say to Joshua, you can live, you can live your Christian life anyway. You live your Christian life. Uh, well, you know, Joshua, the rules don't apply to you. you. You can do what you want. It doesn't matter if you lie. It doesn't matter if you exaggerate. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you know. No, no, I tell you, his parameters were very simple. Straight. Straight. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Joshua, if you're going to fulfill what I have prepared for you, if you're going to take these people into the land, you have got to realise this is the sole purpose of your ministry. Don't get caught up in anything else. Turn neither to the left nor the right. There will be distractions. There will be things maybe you'd want to do. Maybe there are things you would do differently to what God had said. And sadly, they didn't do everything God had said to them to do, by the way, but... That may be for another occasion. And so the parameters, well, there were none, really. That's the, uh, the whole point of this, really. He had no choice. Oh, he could march around and claim land, but his parameters were simply, everything I told Moses, you do. Everything I told Moses, I want you to do. Turn neither to the left nor the right. May I, and time is moving on and you've listened so patiently, may I just ask you a couple of questions first of all. Those present and those listening online, have you moved off? You know, the world have a, a saying, oh, they've gone off the straight and narrow, don't they? When someone's uh, off the... Have you gone to the left or the right during this lockdown so, well, Gordon, it's been very hard. I've not had fellowship. I've not, we, we know how hard it is. And we, we, the team here have worked harder than anyone to make that journey as, as easy for you with morning devotions and online services, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we have to decide, I'm not going to turn back. I'm not turned to the left nor the right. He said, well, I've faced some challenges lately. You know, there's all sorts of things going on. And, I, you know, I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about you, Gordon. I, well, I, you know what? I'm not very happy about myself. So you're all right there. You know, and I'm not this and I'm not that. Friends, don't go to the left or the right. 
Decide that you're going to serve God. You're going to follow him. You're not following a pastor. You're not following a church. You're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're going to move in and receive and enjoy all that God has for you, it will be because you're single-minded, you are committed, and you are courageous, and you are strong, and you're going to believe God. We are believing God. We know that church will be different after the lockdown. But what we're saying is this, we know it will be different, but we're believing it will be better. The difference. We're not intimidated by what has happened. We're not sitting here, knees knocking, oh dear, what's going to happen? We know we face some challenges. We're aware of challenges out there. But let me tell you, we will be brave and we will be courageous and we will turn neither to the left nor the right and we will seek to bring this church with you as well, the whole of us over the Jordan into the promised land. Well, we're moving on. Please note, Moses did not, Joshua, pardon me, did not push himself forward. The Lord said to him, with the death of Moses meant also the death of Joshua. He was never going to be the same again. You know, we have a water baptism and we are, you are buried with Christ in baptism. That sign of the old life and the new life in Christ. Joshua was never going to be the same again. Up till that point, when a problem arrived, he said, uh, excuse me, uh, Moses, uh, this is one for you. It's above my pay grade, thank you. He was able to just send it off. He didn't, well, we say today, he didn't carry the can. But now he did. Oh yeah, Moses had died. But Joshua had to die, had to die to self. In so many areas, he had to put the people of God first and his calling and his work. This was predicted, of course, by a name change in Numbers 13, 16. So many names were changed in scripture. Peter's name was changed. We know that Paul's name, which is from Saul to Paul, it so often happened. Joshua had to die to the past. Hopefully, God willing, next Sunday we will maybe get in the Jordan and we might get out of the Jordan. We'll see how time is. And when I say time, I'm given plenty of time to minister. It's my length of speaking is not is the challenge. But you see, Joshua was now going to leave really what was very familiar to him. He, he had been in Egypt, but he had spent 40 years in the wilderness. Only he and Caleb were going to survive. They were the only two men, the only two living people that had come out of Egypt and were now in preparing to move into the land. What a privilege. But he had to leave things behind. You see, sometimes when we move into something new in God, there are some things we have to leave behind. Um. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's an, a, a, a behavioural problem. I don't know what it is. But sometimes we have to leave it. And Joshua had to leave it behind. When he crossed the Jordan, he left all the, the Red Sea, Egypt. He left Moses there. They, God buried Moses so they wouldn't run bus trips to see his tomb. Because they had to be totally focused on what was behind them not what, what was in front of them, not what was behind them. 
And Joshua had to cross the Jordan. Hopefully next week we may see that. And he had to leave things behind. I suppose we think of that as our conversion. Was there anything that you brought from your old life into your new life that you should have left at the cross? Is there something that you have to lay down if you're going to go into the next thing God has for you, the promised land, whatever that might be for you? But he had to leave it behind. All his memories, all his thoughts, all the victories, all that was experienced was now gone for something new. Why don't we just, as I come to a conclusion, why don't we just ask ourselves that question? Is there something in my life I should have left the other side of the Jordan? Or to change the analogy, if I may, is there something that when I went to the cross and I got saved, I should have left there, but I took it back from me? Let me illustrate, if I may. Maybe before you were Christian, you had a bad temper. I'm not aware of anybody around here who's got a bad temper. Uh, If you have a bad temper, pray about it. Get some counselling. We will seek to help. But in the meantime, don't have a bad temper. Okay? So there's something that should have been left at the cross. That's something that should have been left at the Jordan. But maybe we took it with us. So... I'm tempted to use personal illustrations, but that might not be good because you've got enough ammunition against me. Maybe there was an attitude that I had before I was a Christian that I took with me into my Christian life and it took a while for God to deal with it. It would have been so much easier if I'd left it behind. So please, during the lockdown, let's do some self-evaluation. We've had communion, let a man examine himself and so let him eat. It's not foreign, this is not a new revelation. You're not going to go home and think, wow, I've never heard that before. It's what I call the common sense of God. If there's not much we can do in the natural, there must be a lot we can do in the spiritual. That's why the prayer that's coming up and fasting is so important. So why don't we just check our lives out, check our attitudes out, check our behaviour out. And make sure that when we move, and I don't talk just about the lockdown now or when the government allow us to meet back in our churches. No, I'm talking about what God might have for you to do tomorrow. Maybe there's something you should have left behind at the cross. My prayer is that you will do that. You will use this time to, as we have in communion, examine ourselves. So that when Joshua stands up and says to the people, Come on, we're going. And that Jordan parts. We will be ready. We want to take, we want to take a church into the future that's spiritually awake, spiritually fit and dynamic. We know, we don't know how many casualties we may have had in this church. None of our church, I was talking to a friend of mine, I won't mention his name, uh, who's involved in a church in America. And he's, again, very concerned about how the effects that this is having on the numerics of the church. And we have no idea. We are believing that none will be lost. We are believing that everyone will come back. We are, we are believing for that. We, we can't, as pastors, we can't do anything less. But I'll tell you this, friends, that whoever is with us will be part of what this church's future will be. And I'd rather be part of a church that had a future 
than a church that was just talking about it or always looking back, always going down memory lane. I want to, I'm excited to see. Now, whether I'll still be around, I don't mean I'm going to heaven, whether I'm still around to see it or I don't know. But there is a future for every church, not only this church, but every church, not every, every church that honours the name of Jesus. God has a future for us. Things will be different, but it will be exciting. Well, Joshua had to die to his past. Joshua had to leave things this side of the Jordan. Joshua had a new name, and the new name was the root name for Jesus, deliverer and saviour. What a privilege. What a privilege. When Joshua was fighting the Amalekites, and the story, you remember it, Moses' hands were upheld, uh, Aaron and Ur were either side of them, and when, their, when his arms went down, the Amalekites begin, began to win. That great story. And the victory was done. God told Moses to write it down. And then he said to Moses, and make sure Joshua reads it. Very unusual. And back in Numbers, if in doubt, say Numbers, okay, when it comes to Joshua. You know, he said, write it down, and I want Joshua to see this. Joshua's got to remember that when you put God first, the victory is ours.